Well, let's get right into it this morning. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Would you do that? Romans chapter 8. And then once you have found your place, I want you to, I want you to do something for me this morning. I want, you to, I want you to pick a date, any date for any reason, it doesn't matter, any date for any reason, as long as it's after February the 5th, 1980. Alright, so give that a thought for just a minute. Any date for any reason, as long, now don't worry, you're not going to have to raise your hand and say what the date was or, any, or why you chose that day, I'm not going to do that to you. But any date, for any reason, after February the 5th, 1980. All right, you have your date? If she were here, a woman by the name of Jill Price could tell you what day of the week your day was. She could tell you what she was doing on that day. She could tell you about any major event that would have happened on that day. She could even tell you what the weather was like where she was at on that day. Now for many of us, uh, our problem is, is remembering. But for Jill Price, it's forgetting. She has a, a rare condition called hyperthymestic syndrome that has resulted in automatic, in automatic autobiographical recall of every day of her life since the age of 14. Now to us, that kind of memory would seem like a gift. And it would be if we were trying to remember names, or birthdays, or passwords. Can I get a witness right there on the passwords? Hallelujah. But there is a downside. There is a dark side to a memory like that. In her memoir, The Woman Who Can't Forget, Jill Price writes this, Imagine being able to remember every fight you ever had with a friend. Every time someone lets you down. All the stupid mistakes you've ever made. The meanest, most harmful things you've ever said to people. And those they've said to you. Then imagine not being able to push them out of your mind. No matter what you try. She goes on to say, as I grew up and more and more memories were stored in my brain, more and more of them flashed through my mind in this endless barrage. And I became a prisoner to my memory. Think about that. A prisoner. To my memory. I'm going to venture to guess that I'm speaking to someone here today who can identify with that statement. 
Because you find yourself living as a prisoner to your memory. A prisoner to your past. And it could be that you've been living in that prison for many, many years. Even though you've confessed your sin, you still feel condemned. You keep beating yourself up. You keep sabotaging your own life. You keep believing the self-defeating lies that come from the enemy and become self-fulfilling prophecies. If you find it hard to live in the present because you feel trapped by your past, God's got good news for you today. And it's found in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. Look what Paul wrote. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. I trust that God will help you embrace this truth by faith today. There is no, I'm talking none, nada, zippo, zilch, not a trace, not a hint, not a whiff of condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That phrase, who walks not after the flesh, but after the Spirit, is a description of those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, understand this this morning. That's not to say that we've never been in condemnation. That's not to say that there's never been anything like that in our life because there was a time... When we were in condemnation. So let's talk about that for just a moment. If you're taking notes, write down the reality of condemnation in the past. You see, before we came to know Christ as our Savior, we were most certainly condemned. Write down John chapter 3 and verse 18. In that verse, John said, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So, so during those days prior to our salvation, prior to our believing in Christ, We were living under the just condemnation of sin. As a matter of fact, that's what the first seven chapters of the book of Romans is all about. We're told that by virtue of Adam's sin, now that's all the way back in the book of Genesis, the Garden of Eden, the creation of man. You can read that there in Genesis chapter 3. But what the Bible teaches us in Romans chapter 7 is that by virtue of Adam's sin, way back then, we were all condemned. 
We're told in those chapters that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that there's none righteous, no, not one. We're told that the wages of our sin or what we justly deserve because of our sin is death or eternal separation from God. Before we came to Christ, let's just be honest this morning, we were in a mess. We had no hope outside of a right relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. But then something happened. One day, we heard the gospel. One day, we heard the good news of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Do you remember when that was in your life? Do you remember when somebody told you about Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection? And that day, when we heard the gospel, and we responded to it in faith, we stepped into the reality of what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. I'm talking about that day that that we fully grasp the truth in our hearts that indeed we were condemned sinners, desperately in need of a Savior. And we believed in our hearts and we confessed with our mouths the Lord Jesus and we called upon Him to save us and He did. For me that was September the 8th, 1976 in the office of my youth pastor at Fellowship Baptist Church in Liberal, Kansas. And that day, I stepped into the reality of what Paul wrote under the leadership of the Holy Spirit in Romans 8, 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to Bill Prater because he is in Christ Jesus. And that's your testimony this morning if you're saved. We are in Christ. Are you getting this this morning? We are in Christ. And there is right now, this very moment, no condemnation. Which brings us to our second point this morning. Write this down. The certainty of no condemnation in the present. Brother Prater... If there's no condemnation, then why do I still feel condemned? In a word, Satan. The Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren. Condemnation is his native tongue. Satan loves to remind us over and over again of everything we've done wrong. Why? So that all of our emotional energy is spent on past guilt. 
You say, well, preacher, it just seems like I can never, I can never get any momentum. I can, I can never sustain any, any forward movement in my Christian life. Listen, that's oftentimes because the devil is coming against us over and over and over again. And we're having to spend all of our, our, our emotion on trying to deal with past guilt that we can't make any progress in our walk with God. But listen, there's no need to feel guilty because of past sins. According to the Word of God, if those sins have been confessed, then they've been forgiven. If we confess our sins, John wrote, He, that's God, He's faithful and He's just to forgive us our sins. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Listen, we've already been acquitted of those wrongdoings. And we cannot be tried twice for the same sin. There is no double jeopardy. Our once confessed, our sins are forgiven, forgotten, forever. I told the folks in the first service, they have been nailed to the cross. And the hammer of God's, of God's grace has no claw. Now listen, if anyone had regrets about their life before Christ, it would have been Paul, the author of the book of Romans. If you know anything about, about his life, you know prior to, to his salvation, he was known as Saul. And he was, he was and this is, not a, this is not an overstatement, he was equivalent to our modern day terrorist. Paul hated Christians. He despised Christ. He despised believers. And, 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 and it was his mission. You can read it in his own words. His own testimony says that it was his mission to arrest and imprison and in some cases even kill as many believers as he possibly could. That's, that's what he lived for. That was his purpose in life. And only eternity will tell how many families were torn apart because of his invasion into their homes, arresting dad or arresting mom or arresting mom and dad, all because of their confessed belief in Jesus Christ. Would you agree with me that Paul probably had some regrets? But then one glorious day, on the road to a place called Damascus, Saul met Jesus. And that day was the turning point in his life. He eventually become one of the greatest missionaries this world has ever known. God used him 
to, <coughs> excuse me, to write much of the New Testament. But think with me this morning. How often do you think he wrestled with his past? As he made his way on his missionary journeys to, to this church and that church and, 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 and this church over here and that church over there. And he walked in and he, and he saw single moms because of him. And he would walk in and he would see people look at him and people shy away from him. All because of his past. Tell you, Paul was human and he would have wrestled with some skeletons in his closet. But he not only wrestled with past sin, Paul was honest enough to tell us that he wrestled with present sin. We'll not take time to do it right now, but if you were to read the end of Romans chapter 7, Paul, Paul talks very openly, very honestly uh, about his struggle with his old self. He writes about the frustration of not doing the things that he wanted to do and yet doing the things that he didn't want to do. Paul's daily struggle with sin is why he didn't write in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, there is now therefore no failure in Christ. Because of his struggle with his own personal life, he, he, didn't, he didn't write, there is now therefore no struggle in Christ or, or no more wrongdoing in Christ. Paul, Paul didn't say, now that we're in Christ, we won't mess up anymore. We'll never get off track anymore. He didn't say we'd never speak a hateful word again or act selfishly again or lust again or get angry again. Why? Because from his own personal experience, he knew better. That's also why Paul did not write in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, there is therefore now no conviction to them which are in Christ Jesus. He said there's no condemnation. And there's a big difference between the two. Condemnation is feeling guilty over confessed sin. Conviction is feeling guilty over unconfessed sin. Conviction is healthy and it's holy because it comes to us from the Holy Spirit. Conviction is the means by which we get right with God. And get on with our lives. People sometimes have this mistaken idea that we should never feel bad when we come to church. That we should never feel guilty when we come to church. But that's not in this book. You don't find that anywhere. You may get that from some health and wealth guru out there. But the truth of the matter is, 
We ought to feel guilty sometimes when we come to church. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Here's how it plays out. We, we come to church and, and we have some unconfessed sin in our life. And unbeknownst to your pastor, in his study during the week, God has given him some truths to preach. And so he just stands up and, and preaches the truth that God's given him. And it just so happens that he touches on a sore spot. And it's like, well, that preacher made me feel guilty. No, 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 the preacher didn't do that. The Holy Spirit did that. That's his work. Is that right, Pastor Edwards? That's his work. Read about it in the book of John. The Gospel of John talks about the convicting work of the Holy Spirit. So we come to church and it's like you've got somebody beside you. The book of Acts refers to it as a pricking. So it's like you've got somebody beside you. The preacher's just up there preaching, doing what he does. And it's like somebody beside you just keeps poking you with this pin. And I know what you guys are thinking. Yeah, that's my wife. Well, sometimes it is, but it's an elbow. But I'm talking about something spiritual. Are you with me this morning? Something spiritual where it's like, oh, that's conviction. And it ought to make us feel bad. That's God's way of saying, I know. And you need to get it right. You, you need to deal with that. Because I, I'm going I'm to keep turning up the heat as long as you refuse to deal with it. And, and again, that, that's how God works. And listen, we, we need, listen church, we need to tune in to the convicting voice of the Holy Spirit. But we need to learn to tune out the condemning voice of the devil. So how do I, how do I know the difference? Again, it's very easy. If you've already confessed that, then it's the devil. If you haven't confessed it, then it's the Holy Spirit. What Paul knew was true is what John wrote in 1 John 1, 9. I quoted a moment ago. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So thank God for his conviction but again, we need to learn to ignore the devil's condemning voice of guilt. I want, to, I want to show you a quick video of our son-in-law, Kelby, who uh, up until recently, uh, this last year, played professional baseball. Most of his time was uh, spent in the San Francisco Giants organization. He had the opportunity to play all or parts of four years uh, on, on the Major League Club. And uh, I'm not showing you this in any, in any way to, to brag. I got a point in doing it, and I'll make that point uh, when this video is over. So watch this, and then I'll explain to you why I, I wanted you to see it.
Now, to watch those highlights, <laughs> you would think that Kelby never struck out or that he never made an error. But that's not true. In his career in the major leagues, he struck out 139 times. He made 18 errors. So his career as a professional baseball player was not perfect. And would you agree with me this morning that none of our lives as Christians have been perfect? Can I get an amen for those who've made an error? We've dropped the ball a time or ten. We've struck out in our Christian life. But here's what God does. Listen, He does what the creator, and I don't know who did that, but he, He does what the creator of that little video did. He edits out of the video of our life all of the spiritual errors and strikeouts that we have confessed. And that he has forgiven. And the only time we remember those things. Is when our great critic. Satan. Throws them up. In our face. He loves. He loves to replay. The sin highlights of our life over and over and over again. It's like we just get some momentum in our, in our Christian life. And here comes Satan. Listen, I, I wasn't raised in a Christian home. Both my parents were alcoholics. I had no rules. I, I had no curfews. I had no boundaries. I just ran the streets and I was a little hoodlum. I was the kind of guy that guys like this brother over here dealt with on a regular basis. Frequent flyer. And I was just in trouble all the time. And so when I joined the ministry staff of the church I was saved in as a bus kid, I'll tell you, for the first two or three years of my ministry there, I struggled. Because every time we would go out to eat, every time we'd go to Walmart, every time we would, would go anywhere, there was my past. And there it is again, and there it is again, and there it is again. And the devil, he just, he just stayed after me. He said, you'll never make it here. You can't have a ministry here. You can't reach people here. You've got too much past. You've got too many skeletons in your closet. And then one day, I heard a song. The title of it was, I Lost My Past When I Found His Presence. And that day was a turning point for me. And I've spent the last 40 years of my life in the same town, in the same church, and I've had the privilege of leading many of those people to the Lord. Not because of me, but because of God's grace. But had I continued to listen to the devil, I probably would have just left. Maybe try to start somewhere else. 
But I'm glad that my God is greater than the devil. And I'm thankful that God's word helped me to understand. Bill, I don't even know what you're talking about. I I forgot that. I don't have a clue what you're talking about. But the devil did. And he kept throwing it up at me. If, if you're here this morning and you're constantly struggling with the past, I want to encourage you with, with three simple statements this morning. Write these down, would you? Number one, your past sins were all paid for on the cross. So stop beating yourself up for sins that Jesus has literally already taken the beating for. Number two, your past does not define you. You are not your past. You are forgiven because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Here's what that means today. You are not what you did. You are God's masterpiece created in Jesus Christ unto good works. And, listen please, and you're not what you did And you are not what someone did to you. You are loved and accepted in the beloved. And number three, your best days are ahead. Every sunrise is a reminder that our God is always creating new beginnings and new opportunities. Church, don't miss those because you keep looking back. Think about this. Living with your focus on the past will be like driving to work tomorrow looking in your rearview mirror. It's going to be a wreck. Living in the past will wreck your life. Look ahead and remember that you lost your past when you found His presence. Now let me, let me speak for just a moment to those among us who to this point in their life have not received Christ's forgiveness and salvation. That is, you've never been saved. Can I just be honest with you today as a a preacher of the gospel? Here's what that means this morning. You're still condemned. That's just the word of God. To be saved is to fully grasp the truth in your heart that you're a sinner desperately, desperately in need of a Savior. And that Savior is Jesus. And in faith, you call out to Him to save you. If you want to get on this road that I've talked about this morning, where you can leave your past in the past, it begins, it begins by placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Now, please understand me this morning. I'm not talking about being baptized. Whether as a child or an adult, that's not salvation. 
I'm not talking about joining a church or trying to be the best person you can be. Even though those things are commendable things, listen, they can't save you. Only faith in Christ and Him alone can save you. And He will do that for you today. Thanks for listening this week to the Graceway Baptist Church podcast. For more information about our church and our ministries, head on over to our website at gracewaycharlotte.org. We are a church located in South Charlotte. We are growing and our ministries are doing big things for Christ. If you're looking for a way to get plugged into what we're doing, email us at info at gracewaycharlotte.org. Also, stay in the loop with everything happening by following us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle is Graceway Charlotte. Thanks again for listening to the Graceway Charlotte podcast. We'll see you next week.